The following Marx Daily Apple article was written by Mark Sisson and is narrated by Brock Armstrong. How to leverage the minimum effective dose in your primal life. If you haven't heard about the minimum effective dose, a concept coined by Nautilist fitness creator Arthur Jones and popularized by lifestyle hacker Tim Ferriss in his book The 4-Hour Body, here's the simplest definition. The smallest dose that will produce the desired effect or outcome. For Jones, this was the minimum effective load, the point at which any additional resistance added to the bar would be redundant or even counterproductive to one's strength and fitness goals. For Ferris, the MED is about getting the most bang for your exercise and dietary buck. A popular example is boiling water. If you want to boil a pot of water at standard air pressure, the MED is 212 degrees Fahrenheit or 100 degrees Celsius. Adding more heat is redundant and won't make it boil even more. If you look closely, the primal blueprint has always been about getting the best results for the least amount of pain, sacrifice, time, work, and suffering. It started as a reaction to my prior life as an endurance athlete, where I did the exact opposite. I got decent results for a massive amount of pain, sacrifice, time, work, and suffering. And back at PrimalCon Oxnard in September of this year, my keynote speech was about leveraging the minimum effective dose in various aspects of your primal lifestyle to get the most benefits with the least amount of sacrifice. The MED isn't a prescription. It's a lens for examining our life and determining how to allocate our time and effort. And though it can probably be quantified using extensive tracking, biometrics, weighing and measuring, that isn't necessary or even ideal. Okay, so how does this apply to primal living? Calorie intake. My old college buddies still call me Arnold, after the pig from Green Acres, because I ate so much, more than even the football players. I was a naturally skinny 19-year-old with a cremator for a metabolism who ran long distances daily and prided myself on being able to eat as much food as I could without gaining an ounce. It was a game almost, how much food could I eat without gaining body fat? These days, I take a different approach. What's the least amount of food, that's the dose, I can eat without losing muscle reducing performance, tanking energy, and going hungry. Those are my desired outcomes. I'm not starving. I'm not suffering or going without or gritting my teeth and powering through. If my sleep were to suffer, my performance in the gym were to drop, my muscle mass were to diminish, I'd know that I was undershooting the MED. If I was constantly getting ravenously hungry, I'd know to eat more. I've simply figured out my minimum effective dose for food. Nowadays, you hear a lot of warnings about dieting in general, or restricting anything in your diet, whether calories or carbs or whatever else. Quote, it'll ruin your metabolism, they say. You'll gain weight, they warn. And there's something to that. I've explored the plateau-busting benefits of a well-planned carb overfeed. But a consistent overabundance of incoming food is a major reason people have trouble losing weight. Figuring out your caloric MED can help abolish these troubles. 
I'm not suggesting you count calories and weigh and measure everything you eat. Instead, prioritize calorie-sparse, nutrient-dense foods that satisfy hunger and promote satiety, like organ meats, eggs, leafy greens, fish, and shellfish. Limit or outright avoid calorie-dense, nutrient-sparse foods that increase hunger and reduce satiety, like refined grains, seed and vegetable oils, sugar, and processed junk food. I've got the perfect example. Say you're looking to increase your magnesium intake and hit the daily requirements. You can get your daily magnesium from 2.5 cups of soybeans, which is about 900 calories. Or you could steam a 16-ounce package of frozen organic spinach, which is just 140 calories. Notice the difference? It's also often just a matter of setting down the fork, leaving a little on your plate and pushing back from the table with all that delicious primal food. I'm reminded of Louis C.K.'s great bit on his eating habits. Quote, I don't stop eating when I'm full. The meal isn't over when I'm full. It's over when I hate myself. End quote. Don't do that. It's hilarious because it rings true for a lot of people, but it's not a model of eating behavior we're meant to aspire toward. How much food do you really need? Exercise. There's a point at which exercising more isn't going to get you any closer to your goal, whether that's to get faster, stronger, or bigger. I saw this in the endurance world especially, where squeezing those last few miles in wasn't always a good thing. For many years, I lived by that credo. Every mile helped. Every extra hour spent on the bike made me that much stronger, faster, fitter, and healthier. I knew this because I was improving. My improvement appeared to be linear, and I figured it would continue to progress as long as I pushed the envelope. It was sneakier than that, because while that brutal training regime may have very well improved your performance in the gym or on the field, it slowly destroys your health, takes away your free time, and invades every other aspect of your life. Is that worth it? If your goal is to beat the other guy or your own PR at any cost, it's worth it. If your goal is to be generally fit, lean, happy, and healthy, you just left your minimum effective dose in the dust. Don't fall into that trap. It doesn't work in the long run, and I'm glad to have escaped it. Just because some is good doesn't mean more is better. The latest exercise science affirms the effectiveness of the minimum effective dose paradigm, particularly when it comes to endurance training. Cardio for health? The assumed health benefits of spending inordinately long periods of time subjecting your body to abject misery are dissipating. Sprints and high-intensity interval training get you most of the same benefits, plus some extras, in a fraction of the time it takes to run and bike long distances. By and large, even the top athletes are figuring out they can train less if they train smarter. They're resting more than ever, incorporating strength training instead of exclusively pounding the pavement, and they've learned the value of making their hard workouts harder and shorter, and their easy workouts easier and longer. Sun exposure. The sun feels great on your skin, doesn't it? That it offers health benefits like increased vitamin D and nitric oxide production is another reason to get sun. 
But there's a point where vitamin D production stops and skin damage sets in, where your skin blisters and the vitamin D formed by your body must be diverted away from general health promotion, bone healing and sex hormone production toward protecting the skin. That point is the minimum effective dose of UV. Hovering around the MED for sun will also give you freedom in addition to vitamin D. If you're nursing a bad sunburn, you'll have to stay out of direct sun for a week or two. If you stuck to the MED, you can go back out the very next day and enjoy the weather. Your MED for sun exposure will depend on several variables. Skin color. The darker your skin, the more time in the sun you'll require for optimal vitamin D production, and the longer you can stay before incurring damage. For a light-skinned person, 15 minutes of midday, spring, or summer sun might be sufficient. For a dark-skinned person, it might be an hour. Diet. Nutrition affects skin vulnerability. Omega-3s, saturated fats, antioxidant-rich anti-inflammatory plants, like tea, tomatoes, and berries, spices, and animals, salmon and shrimp, all affect it positively, while inflammatory seed oils high in omega-6 fats affect it negatively. Sleep. Skin resistance to sun damage follows a circadian rhythm, and bad sleep leaves you susceptible to UV rays. Whatever your situation, a sun MED exists. The point is to discover and hew to it. Glucose intake. Carbs are a mostly elective source of calories that can be very beneficial in the right dose when divvied out according to training volume, performance goals, and individual variation in tolerance and desire. But the right dose is very important. If you are the daily Metcon type, you should probably eat more carbs to the tune of 100 extra grams per hour of anaerobic output. Those carbs will replenish your glycogen. They'll be put to good use. If you're just doing lots of walking, lifting once or twice a week, and throwing in a sprint session every now and then, you should probably stay underneath the curve. Make sure your physical activity warrants carb loading before you carb load. As is illustrated in the primal carbohydrate curve, no one needs more than 150 grams of starchy carbohydrate unless they're regularly engaging in lots of anaerobic activity. Think high-intensity intervals, sprints, heavy lifting, mid-to-high-intensity endurance training, sports like soccer, basketball, football, daily CrossFit-esque Metcons. Play around with carb intake. See how few you need to support your training on subsequent days. Maybe 150 grams today isn't quite enough for your morning workout tomorrow, but 200 grams is plenty. Find your sweet spot that supports performance and stick to the bottom range of it. Productivity. When I write, I can't handle long protracted bouts. They just don't work for me. Say I tell myself, okay, Sisson, you've got until five o'clock. That's eight unbroken hours of pure writing time. I envision an entire post completed. I imagine that chapter finally finished. But in reality, I end up squandering most of those eight hours because, hey, I've got all the time in the world. Smaller doses work better for me. I'll write for half an hour, then take a five-minute break to hop on the slack line or play with the dog. Half-hour blocks work because a half-hour isn't negotiable. 
you only have 30 minutes. Then it's over, and you get a small reward and the satisfaction of a solid page or two of completed text. In my case, the minimum effective dose of writing is usually 30 minutes, give or take. Finding your MED for work productivity is hard because it's always changing. One day you might be productive straight through for six hours. Another day you can only go for an hour. And that's fine. You'll just have to pay attention to what's working. If you find yourself frittering time away and clock-watching and stressing about the work not being done, it'd probably be more effective to go do something else. Anything else. A few supersets of squats and push-ups, a coffee break, a short walk around the officer block. As it stands now, you're just wasting everyone's time. Starting to get the point? Many aspects of life, health, and fitness can be viewed, and may be optimized, through the lens of the minimum effective dose. Take caffeine intake. Smaller, more frequent doses of 20 to 200 milligrams per hour, the average cup of coffee contains between 100 and 150 milligrams of caffeine, appear to work better than mega doses. Anything more than that and the benefits plateau while the negative effects on sleep, for one, grow prominent. Or soap. As I wrote in the last couple of skin biome posts, sudsing up has its consequences. Excessive washing removes natural oils and your protective skin bacteria, drying you out and leaving you open for colonization by pathogens. Where's the minimum effective dose here? You don't want to smell or look like pig pen from the peanuts, but you want naturally moisturized skin and a healthy, diverse skin biome. What else? Play around with it and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. And don't forget, if you enjoy these podcasts, make sure to go over to iTunes and leave us a review or rating. And subscribe while you're there, too, if you haven't already. Looking for a nutritionally balanced, low-carb meal on the go? Want to take the edge off hunger and sustain your energy until your next meal? Primal Fuel makes Primal Paleo-style eating quick, simple, and delicious. Healthy doses of high-quality fat from coconut milk, protein from ultra-high-potency whey protein isolate, probiotics from artichoke, healthy fiber, and only 6 grams of all-natural carbs per serving in a delicious and incredibly satisfying shake. Quick, easy, cost-effective, and convenient. Primal and tasty chocolate and vanilla flavors packed with 20 grams of the highest biological value protein per serving and 6 grams of soluble prebiotic fiber. Primal Fuel is perfect for any occasion. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, or as a snack or dessert. Tempt your taste buds today. Visit PrimalBlueprint.com to order in 15-day or 30-day sizes.